Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Sinusoid Cables. Go jump on sinusoid.com right now. Go check out all their cable options. You can custom build your dream cable. The cable that you've been dreaming about. Put your own plugs on it. Get custom colors. Put that uh, put that wrap on it that everyone loves these days. It makes your cable invincible. Drop a symbol on your cable. It's not going to break. The symbol's going to break. That's right. A sinusoid cable is going to break a symbol in half if you drop a symbol on it. I don't think that's true. I think the symbol's going to be just fine. But anyways, uh, these things have a 100-year guarantee. That's right. They're going to outlive you. It's like buying a pet parrot. You know that parrot's going to get passed down to your grandchildren, and they're going to be like, why did grandma have to have a parrot? This thing's going to be with me forever. These things live to be 130. That's Sinusoid Cables. They're the parrot of guitar cables. Go check them out. Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Steve. And you're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar, buying, selling, trading, mining, fixing, playing, reviewing, ringing, podcast. What did you think of uh, What did you think of me doing that sponsorship spot at the beginning, Steve? You think I held it down? Uh, but when you finally cranked through it, uh, I thought I was actually really good. Oh, thank you, Steve. Usually you uh, you take the sponsorships. I felt like I would get a little frisky and and uh, tackle that one. It took me... Yeah, you got all up in that one. It took me five or six tries. Usually you're a you're a, a one shot wonder. You get it first try. My favorite one was the one where you got the uh, the uh, sponsor website wrong. I did get this. I did get Sinusoid's website wrong. I said sinusoidcables.com. It's just sinusoid.com. Uh, but they, you guys they should probably get Sinusoid the rights to Sinusoid cables. Yeah, just for, and get all like the misspellings of Sinusoid and things like that. That's always a smart thing to do when you have a business is register multiple domains that are very close to your own but i just put in sinusoidcables.com and it took me to dnsr search oh so nothing yeah it just took me to like a right search and so if you're listening sinusoid go uh, go snatch that up right away you gotta get that get get on your uh, go daddy account pick it up you know yeah um go daddy go yeah seriously though guys I know I'm continuing the sponsorship on, but those guys bought us breakfast burritos, and they <laughs> and they fed us beer and pizza. Like you feed someone, I didn't get any pizza? You feed someone, and that's like love, as far as I'm concerned. I love those guys now. All right. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I don't. I'm just saying you're you're getting a little. Well, you uh, didn't you didn't get the pizza, you're getting, Steve. You're getting a little romantic. I on I the walked. Here. Like a third of a mile in the rain. And I would walk one third of a mile and I would walk <laughs> one third of a mile more. <laughs> to get pizza. Yeah. Uh, this is oh, part to of- be the man oh my gosh. who walked one third of a mile to eat pizza at your door. Do you like the movie Benny and June? I've only seen parts of it. Dude, that was like... You know, like when you're a kid, is that Johnny you, Depp's best movie. I don't want to say best, but it's like to me, it's very iconic. What's Johnny Depp's best movie? Like I was really, I was pretty young when that came out. Are you excited for Pirates of the Caribbean five? No, not at all. And it was like a, like kind of like, it was like a rom com. I was too young to enjoy rom coms, but uh-huh. I enjoyed Benny and June. I as thought they were brother and sister. A kid, no, not at all. They're like lovers. Isn't there like a sibling? Yeah, but he's like the grown up, like caretaker. Of the girl who's got oh, okay. like 90s style like psychological problems 
that are like kind of like you don't know actually what they are. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. I are, might be remembering that wrong. It might be a very specific. Oh, Benny. Okay, so Benny and June are brother and sister. Johnny Depp plays oh, Sam. Right, right, right. Yeah, Benny and June are, are related. Okay, so I'm not. Do- Johnny Depp is not related to the girl because they are they become lovers. Right, so I'm not completely wrong. I'm just mostly wrong. Right, right. Go watch that movie. It's got that song in it. It was uh, an iconic point in my youth. Is those pieces of culture coming together as one? Is what I would say, I guess. So uh, what's new, Ryan? Okay, what's new is I've been on this uh, kind of like speaker cab journey, like preparing to do my amp journey. Of yeah, it's kind of dumb. You think it's dumb? I just. You don't like it. I, it just seems like a lot of time invested on a on the speaker on an MDF cabinet. Yeah, I don't know how far I'm going to get on that. I I cut a baffle for the speaker and I cut it completely wrong, like a week or two back. Yeah, cutting circles is hard. It's actually really pretty freaking hard when you don't have like correct tools to do it. <laughs> uh, I really came down to me measuring it wrong and drawing the circle wrong. Right, which is why the circle's too freaking big for the speaker to fit into it but then also like the circles like all really like wonky but i was like oh i'll I'll just put you know like a covering over a grill cloth and no one will ever see it but then when i saw that i cut it too big i got so discouraged that i just stepped away for a while uh cassidy over at salvage custom shop says that he can cut one for me real easy i'm sure he could so i might do that i just keep looking at it from the perspective of you could probably get a jank 1x12 cab off Craigslist for like 50 bucks. Right, right. Well, here, And I'm, maybe that's defeating the principle, but it's like, man. Here's, here's something I've been looking at. Because I kind of want to have... I want to have something nice looking for demos, too. But I want to have like two or three 1x12 cabs okay. to like experiment with speakers. So you say you want something nice looking, but this thing looks like crap. Right. right well, now. this is what I'm. This is what I'm. It looks uh, like you try to cover it in paper mache. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm doing what I call ghost leather on it. I don't even know if I'm going to continue this project, which is ghost leather is what I do on my dinosaur ghost masks for my band. Uh huh. You take old uh, plastic grocery bags and you melt them with a heat gun. Oh. And then you paint them, and it looks like, like the wet like corpse flesh on like. Indiana Jones skeletons, right? Paper mache. It's not paper mache, Steve. She's you get Louise. a bunch of it and you put it in the shape of a presidential figure from a country that you don't oh like. You fill it with candy. Yeah, and, then and you hit you it. Hit it with a stick. You're talking about a uh, pinata. Pinata. Um, so here's what I've been thinking about doing, Steve. And uh, if you're listening right now, you guys can convince me otherwise if you think it's a bad idea. There's these guys on eBay that sell unfinished speaker cabs that are just like raw wood, but they're like, they're, they're pine. Yeah. They're pine speaker cabs that are not loaded. Okay. They don't have a finish on them. They don't have a wrap on them and they don't have a grill cloth. Right. And they're like 75 bucks empty. Okay. Do you think it would be a good idea for me to get like three of those and fill film with, with what I want and then make the grill cloth? Here's the issue you're going to run into. So the answer is sort of yes, but you're going to end up paying anywhere between like $125 and $175 per cab, plus the material for the grill. You're talking about after shipping? 
No, I'm saying like once you get the speakers and everything. Oh, right, else. right. So, I mean, but the idea I guess is that's not bad. But the idea is to have like three matching cabs with here, just different speakers in it. Yeah, my idea is that if I get three cabs that are more or less identical, then when I'm doing speaker comparisons, it's like I don't have to swap speakers in and out of cabs. It's like here's two different speakers in the same cab, same right. amp. Like, no one can be like, oh, well, that sounds different because different wood or whatever. Well, the wood's going to be different no matter what, Ryan, because right, it different might parts not of be the from tree, the d- same you know. tree or right, different right. parts of the tree. But I f- I'm saying that the, I well, mean, the only way to get around that is to go back to MDF. Yeah. That's true. So that's my point, <laughs> you know. It's kind of, it's kind of, you're, I mean, it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't scenario. Sure. So, I mean, someone's always going to have a problem in a, in a demo scenario. I think if it's decent wood, I mean, I haven't seen them, but if it's decent wood, then, then it's, it's probably not the baddest idea you've ever had. The baddest? The baddest. <laughs> I've had a lot of bad ideas too. Yeah. I mean, it's, I know it's going to be. I mean, this is definitely badder than some ideas you've had, but it's not the baddest. <laughs> I know it's not going to be uh, the ideal solution cost-wise. Because cost-wise, I mean, I've got the crate 2x12 back here. I could just load that. With two different speakers. With two different speakers and, and put in an, an extra jack. I've got yeah. these uh, carvings in here I could load up. But I'm thinking more some smaller things. The nice things. thing about a 1x12 is that it's going to be compact. I can move around. And it's going to be like, it's going to be what it is. And... and it's going to be like speaker focused. You won't have as much of a, I guess, cab influence in it. Um, and like you said, if you got three that from the same manufacturer, right? They should be pretty similar. I'm trying to find this guy on eBay. Here's one. So this one's eighty bucks with essentially twenty dollars shipping. So hundred bucks. Yeah, that, I mean, that doesn't look too bad. And honestly, like... It's like a pine cab. I just made it disappear. Oh, there we go. Solid pine, raw wood, extension guitar, speaker cabinet empty. So, yeah, it's about 100 bucks each. Honestly, like, I don't even think I'd put a grill on it. Yeah, kind of just show the speaker. I mean, you might, have a gr- you might want to grill for protective purposes, but if you never planned on doing it for anything other than demos... It might be fine just to leave it. Well, I thought it maybe about putting a grill to make it kid proof, you know. That's true. But that I thought they looked true. pretty attractive. I wouldn't even need to finish them. Maybe I'd put like a light like oil on them or something like that. Yeah. Because I don't care if they look like wood. I think it's actually kind of a neat look. Yeah, I was gonna say like just do a just do some oil or some kind of like uh, a varnish or something. Yeah, yeah. I even like that you Shellac. can see. Kind of the uh, the staples in through the side, like it's not. Yeah, a big, it's it's cool. Kind of a little bit rustic. It doesn't look as bad as I thought it was going to. Right, it doesn't look like something I built. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. Fair. Oh, another thing I ran into with that MDF old Yamaha cab uh-huh. is that uh, I wanted it to be closed back, but yeah. the speaker will not fit if I close back really? in. Really? Yeah, it's pretty pretty snug in there. So that's crazy. I have, to, I have to cut a port for the speaker to stick out a little bit, which is a bummer. So I'm probably getting pretty close to just scrapping that idea. It was a fun project. I have like to have little projects, you know, like weekend things I screw around with. That amp was garbage, anyways. It was fun kind of taking it apart and looking at everything. So I don't feel like I lost anything 
having my my fun with it. I lost <laughs> I lost half a can of spray paint. I'll say that. Well, that's so fun. And I lost some plastic garbage bags. Uh, should we get into some regular ads, or do you have anything new, Steve? I don't have anything new. <laughs> you suck. Had, you, you're so I boring. I haven't had anything new for a while. Uh, Steve's life is so boring and old. Nothing new. Yeah, I'm the last time I had anything sorry to make fun of you, new Steve. was a, a while ago. I'm drinking Coors. Uh, I'm back the, on the Coors the, train. The, the Coors of beer. I couldn't hang with that vodka anymore after last week. It's just not my thing. I, I'm hoping we get someone over here who's a... Vodka aficionado. Is that how you say it? No. Aficionado. Aficionado. Fish fish nachos. uh, But vodka um, fish nachos. Dude, I could go for some vodka fish nachos. Dude, that sounds really nice, actually. Cook some some fish and vodka. Yeah, yeah. Vodka fish with nachos. Oh, dude. Man, that does not sound bad at all. Vodka fish nachos. (laughs) I think that's the title of the episode right there. Hopefully, I don't forget that by the time I edit it. Write it down, dummy. Oh, you think I'm going to remember something I wrote down? You think I'm going to look at these notes ever again? You know, I found your notes from the last time we recorded in here. That's a good point. So, uh, yeah, I don't think you're ever going to look at them again. (laughs) All right, let's jump on an ad. Uh, Let me see if I can find it. Get back here on my high-tech little iPad doohickey here. Here it is. This ad is called Ancient 1900s. It was sent in by Zachary Clemens. Thanks, Zach. Uri. Clemens. Zachary. Uh, This says, I have a guitar for sale. There's some aging to the guitar. The guitar is ancient from the 1900s. It is made from Japan, but no serial number has been found. I'm asking $150 or OBO. Or, Or an oboe. Uh, please do not ask to send it through mail or text call about scams. We'll consider trades and cash. Feel, feel free to email. I'll respond ASAP. There are some spelling errors. Got in some other this. things for sales. Just ask. Um, or OBO is my favorite part. Yeah. Um, of it. But really, this, you know, this is a guitar from the uh, ancient guitar from the 1900s. From the 1900s. A, a, uh, a century gone by. You know, I own a time a, from the distant past. I own a few ancient guitars from the 1900s. A, uh, a guitar from history itself belongs in a museum. It's weird to see. Most of my I guitars mean, are ancient from the 1900s. Yeah, most of my guitars, too, are pretty ancient, also from the 1900s. I don't think I have any as old as this. You do have a guitar as old as this, likely. Oh, yeah, my harmony is definitely older than this. So what we're looking at is what looks like an uh, old silver tone. Yeah, it's got a. It's actually that pick guard is really familiar, and I just cannot put my finger on it. Yeah, it's got this big like vintage S shaped, the uh, like Dan Electro style thing going the on. The headstock is very. Um, as actually reminds me of like a later like a seventies Harmony headstock. Sure, but it's um, not seventies. This is definitely a sixties no, guitar. Sixties. It's got a single neck pickup, no bridge pickup. Uh, a non-adjustable bridge with a really classy like cover over where the strings connect to the body. Yeah. I really like that cover. It's a good looking guitar. There's a lot of really good looking parts of this guitar. Like I love the pick guard. The body shape is like a Mustang style body shape. This thing actually looks like it's been played too. There's some, there's some grit on there. I would almost wonder if that pick guard is aftermarket. I don't know. It, like I said, it looks really familiar to me. I wouldn't be surprised if this paint job was aftermarket too. 
The paint job, I could believe. You could believe that? I could believe it is. It looks like it could be aftermarket. I don't I don't think that's original. What body part of this guy do you think we are seeing in this picture? Is that his leg? Um it looks I, like Yeah, yeah. I, it is his leg because when this is was he posted, straddling this thing? Oh, there's his other leg. I see what's going on. It's in his lap. Yeah. Um somebody actually commented on this as check out this ancient ancient Japanese guitar. It's as long as my leg. <laughs> like that was that may have been the comment that um <laughs> That he left, that Zach left, Zachary left. <laughs> it is as long as his leg, isn't it? Hey, how long is your, hey, what scale is this guitar? Uh, uh, it's as long as my as leg. As long as my leg. As long as my leg. Well, how long is your leg? I don't know, as long as his guitar. Well, is it going to be as long as my leg? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's an awkward position. And he's got his legs up on like a box or something like that. Yeah, I, I don't really know. Cannot. I want to see how this photo was taken. I want to see like what pose With he was camera? in. With a camera? Yeah, but I want to see how he was sitting. Like, I want someone to be... On a chair? Like, ta- I want someone to take a picture of him taking this picture. Right. So I can understand what's going on. Because there's, there's a lot of mysteries here. But somehow, like we've seen a lot of bad photographs of guitars and ads that are blurry, dark. Yeah, this isn't you know, a bad photo. He really means. captured the guitar. He got the whole guitar in frame, but it looks like he is like... Oh, yeah. This picture's outside. He is perched up on like some sort of cardboard box. You can't see what he's... Like his legs are on the cardboard box. You can't see what he's sitting on, but he's definitely floating above the grass. Yeah. Could be anywhere outdoors. And holding the camera up above his head... I assume in a selfie position where he can see the screen so he can aim it and gets like a dead on really good shot of the guitar. Like this guy nails the shot of the guitar, but everything around it is like, how did this photo happen? Big props guy, big props. You did it. You lived the dream. You completed the photo. You're going to sell this guitar. I know it probably not Oh my gosh! for 150 bucks. You think it'll sell? Um, it's a wall hanger. I'll maybe. say that. It's, it looks cool. It does look cool. I doubt this thing plays great, um, but it's going to be a funky it fun for somebody. Great. You think it could play great? Well, I'm not saying it does. I'm saying it could. This is going to be one of those guitars with its super tiny fret wire. Neck is in questionable condition. Yeah. Bridge is basically non-adjustable, and you think it could play great. Well, I mean, great is a relative term. Okay. I think know. great maybe compared to other guitars of this make model. I'm saying like it could be like a it could have be worth 135 Jack White units. Interesting. Interesting. I forget where that is on the scale. It's pretty high. It's it's pretty high though. I thought the scale went up to like 1638 or something like that. Mm. But then like nothing is really usable past like 340. Well, I mean, it depends. But on then what, it also goes down to like negative fifty. It depends on whether or not you uh, you bring in the right cooter factor. Right, right. I mean, I usually I use a cooterless scale, so the numbers <laughs> are a little a little more impacted. Yeah, I usually don't even think about the cooter scale. It's kind of like the difference between the the Dow and the Nasdaq. You know, like yeah. <laughs> I mean, the trends the tre- in terms of trends, like the numbers are basically the same. It just it's do you want that number to be big or small? Yeah, yeah. 
It's all about making small I numbers. Did, I did subtract out the Bono, which is always two. Right, right. I mean, this has got really low Bono numbers. Sometimes it's one. Yeah. But sometimes it's two. Yeah. <laughs> Dear God, what are we doing? All right. Uh, this week in music news, and by this week, I mean last week. And by last week, you mean a week and a half ago. Yeah. Um, Yuli, uh, what's that guy's name? I don't know. Yuli Roth? <laughs> Yuli that's a guitar player. I don't know, man. I don't know where you're going. I, I know what. Pen. I don't know. I know where you're, what you're going to talk about. I don't know how you're going to get there. Yeah. So the guy, um, the guy, Yuli John Roth is a guitarist. The guy who is basically um, the master brainchild behind uh, Behringer, uh, who is now owned by Music Group, uh, announced this week. And these that, guys own a ton of different companies. Yeah, Yuli Behringer, duh. They own TC Electronic. They, yeah, they own TC Electronic. Anyway, they uh, Yuli Behringer announced this week. Excuse me. Good burp, Steve. That uh, they are going to be withdrawing from future Nams. Yeah, they're not gonna. They're not gonna have a booth at Nam anymore. Which, on one side, like, well, the the place where we saw this posted, people were discussing like what it means for the industry, what it means to display at Nam, like what it means, right? Like, is it useful? This and that. And I just kind of look at the whole situation like these guys have one of the biggest booths at Nam. Yeah. That from a consumer's perspective and from our perspective as like extremely amateur media slash journalists mm-hmm. is basically a useless booth. He actually, uh, so it's funny, he actually, his he posted this article on LinkedIn. Yeah, which is so weird. And uh, he his title is Chief Disruptor at Music. <laughs> Uh, but he posted um, uh, really cool in dude. January. The disruptor, yeah. Huh? Uh, that this was our very. He said this is our very last Nam show. 2017 was the very last Nam show we attended as we were building large customer experience centers in Los Angeles and many other cities all around the world. Our plan is also to focus on road shows to visit where you live. So basically, um, the short version is that they are trying to develop these customer experience centers that will have a living room environment, like a, I guess like a comfortable coffee shop environment. And then they're going to be doing road show, uh, road shows on top of it. And he says, um, we love our direct relationship with you and thrive on serving you in the best possible way. This is the sole purpose why we do what we do. Thanks for all your support and loyalty. And I just, I thought it was interesting because Nam or Behringer is a company that I always feel like, not, and it's not just Behringer. It's a lot of these... I mean, all these brands together, they could start their own Best Buy, basically. Yeah. Well, Music Group is is Behringer. It's TC Helicon. It's um, Midas. Uh, it's... I mean, I... I often, they have all the brands in the picture in the article, like... Oh, really? On the wall oh, there. I just had it up. But uh, it's, a, it's like a dozen or so brands that are all music stuff, as far as I'm aware. But... I, I just read the article, and just because of the way their booth is at Nam, I was just like, so what? Like, right. no, no one's losing anything by you not showing up at Nam because your booth is yeah, it's the big like one of the biggest booths at Nam and is built up to be like this two story complex, mm-hmm. but it's literally 
only for big business meetings. There's just yeah. a bunch of big glass rooms with conference tables. They don't have any product out. No one. No can, product. No product out. No, none at all. It is only for meetings. And what's the point of them being there? They can, if they need to have meetings with you know. You know, movers and shakers, they can fly where. Isn't their space pretty big at NAM? It's huge. That was the thing I was thinking about is I know square footage at NAM is not cheap. It's like a house. It's yeah, bigger and, and than so a house. My, I almost wonder if it's cheaper for them to do this. Obviously, if you're going to be renting property in like a bunch of cities, it's got to cost them You like, have like a limited return, but you got to figure their NAM booth is probably. If there's, I don't know. You think it's like fifty thousand dollars for their booth? Way more than you that. You think it's more than that? I wouldn't be surprised if they drop six figures every NAM to haul that sort of stuff around and haul that yeah. many people around. Like I get it, guys. Stop going to NAM. You're not. You're. Just, I just don't think you're using the space the way people expect the space to be used at NAM. You're using it but to same- set up like a like a. A floor of like an office building. So, do you think that they're not they're pulling out of Nam because they? Do you think they're not using Nam effectively, or do you think just think that they know I, that they can accomplish the same goals that they want to accomplish at Nam in a different format? I think they might have in the past thought they were using Nam effectively because. They're having their big business movers and shakers stop by, and they're closing multi-million-dollar deals at NAMM. Right. But I'm sure I'm betting that someone stood up one day in a meeting and was like, "Why don't we just fly to these pe- or to, to our customers? It'd be a lot cheaper and less, you know, time-intensive than going to NAMM because all we're doing is meetings." Right. They can literally just go to their corporate customers. Mm-hmm. And just do it instead of setting up a literal office building inside of a convention yeah, center. It's true. And it sounds like for you know, it sounds like for NAM they've stuck with this very sterile setup. Their booth has been the same all three years that we've gone. Right. It's it's like all white, right? Yeah, and it's it's two story and the top story is all like glass. And for meeting what, rooms. for what it's worth, like that. That is like the Behringer, oddly enough, I guess. I feel like Behringer is, this is going to sound really odd, but uh-huh. at least as far as, not not so much for product, but at least as far as branding goes, uh, I feel like Behringer is like the apple of... They're, yeah, of, they're very technology. Uh, the music world, like, like... The all white thing is a very like minority report. The very sterile casting, exact sterile, yeah. very like slick and sleek. Like they're not trying to project any one personality. You know? Yeah, yeah. They they nail that down for sure. The only thing they had musical at their booth this year mm-hmm. was that virtual reality DJ guy. Oh, that was Behringer? Yeah, the laser guy. He was like to the side of their booth. He was there every single time I passed by for three days, three or four days, and he had like this VR headset on and you saw a screen where he's like manipulating like a 3D like little interface to make odd sounds. There were a few different like VR things like that this year. That was kind of interesting. Remember the VR drummer? Well, I mean, now that 
now that you can buy like a a VR headset effectively for like twenty bucks. Well, you plug your, you just put your phone. Yeah, into you, it. like it's just a phone mount that you mount to your head. Yeah, like I, I actually this is a little this is way off tangent. I had us playing some game on my phone. And uh, I had an ad pop up for, I want to say Resident Evil. Uh huh. And it was like the kind where you're supposed to play this game, but you move your phone around to like, to like look around the space that you're in. And that was when I realized, like, oh, this is what all those virtual reality, you know, this is why you can go buy a $20 phone mount for virtual reality or whatever. Like that's the idea is like you look, you tilt your head to look in the different directions. Yeah. And it's supposed to be all crazy. I don't know. That's, that's all I got. It's just cool. Cool story, Steve. Cool story. Real cool story. Really like that story you told. Thanks. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not surprised at all that they're pulling out. Honestly, it, it's the sort of thing that makes so much sense. Maybe it is surprising that a big corporation pulls out like, cause sometimes they do stuff just, to do it, you know. Well, I, I, I kind of wonder if it's go how that's going to resonate, um, in terms of other brands following suit. Because you think about, I don't know if it's just because we're not retailers, we're not buyers. Well, I think the smaller brands and the medium sized brands are the ones who get the most out of Nam, right? Because it's in a lot of ways, it's free press. It's not free. It costs money, but it is big press coverage mm-hmm. like people go to like you know media guys like us in air quotes go to nam and like oh we want to see the new thing from this big company everyone knows about but then you also go and you find that odd like thing that odd pedal right like last well, year like otis amps was like like new to us and then you're like we see them around a bunch of places yeah and, and they well, get a bunch of traction well, and of also NAMM. like uh last two years ago at Cowerfest was when I met Nick from Prisma Guitars. Right, right. A year ago, they were displaying with Mutron, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this year, he was with Otis. And was with Otis? Tim McNelly. Or yeah, with, with But it was McNally. basically a Prisma like, booth with Otis and, so it, and Tim McNelly. You know, it's kind of interesting to see different brands like that expand. So I, I can definitely see where uh, their exposure goes up. The problem is, I think that if you if the big brands pull out, say, okay, music group is out. Say over the next three or four years, Fender, Marshall, and Gibson follow suit. Nam, I think Nam's dead. You think it's dead? It's over. I think that. But I think I mean there's probably but other- Fender, Fender, and Gibson. Even though we we ragged on Gibson's booth. They display in such completely different ways. Like he see it wasn't displaying at NAM. They right. were only having meetings at NAM. Right. But I'm saying like, you know, I'm probably overlooking a lot of brands that would keep it alive. I'm probably ignoring completely like non guitar segments of industry yeah. that drive NAM. But it, I'm just thinking in terms of like, I mean, more than the, half of NAM isn't guitar, you know? It, like, it's definitely a all. A rising tide floats all boats. Sure, sure. Scenario where you've got all these people there, and I mean, we you got the premier guitar camera crew walking around filming everything they think is remotely interesting. Right. You've got the Reverb.com guys 
going around filming anything that they think is remotely interesting. Well, that was funny when they were like kind of, and I don't, never mind, I won't say anything bad. It wasn't like a negative thing. It was, to me, it was an amusing thing. Uh, the, like how they were filming certain things because they like, I'll just say they were being goofy off camera and then they would be very serious on camera. Right. Um, Oops. Can't open that. I now. don't think that's a bad thing. I just thought it was an interesting thing to see. Right, right. Well, I think we've beat this to death a little bit. Should we cover Beat it to death. Should we cover another another ad? I'm loading another Coors in, into the into the chamber yeah, here. Yeah. I wish I would have gotten another one. Go for it, Steve. Um, but instead, we're going to talk about an antique guitar. This was sent to us by Matthew Lloyd. Thanks, Matthew Lloyd. Uh, he says, I'm selling my grandparents uh, this 30... I'm selling for my grandparents this 38-year-old antique handmade Martin D28 guitar. Cash only, $10,000 firm. How old do you think this guitar would be that it would be an antique Martin? What year creates a Martin, and what year does a Martin become antique for you? Antique. I mean, antique is the wrong word for guitars, right? I think of an antique guitar as a guitar that's no longer playable. That's just a museum piece. I think, okay. of, a, I think of a vintage guitar is what he's trying to describe. I would I would not ding this guy for calling this vintage at this point. Sure. I, I would, think I think with Martins, even if they're playable, I I understand what you're saying about antique. When I read antique, I think pre-World War II Martin. Yeah, yeah. Which you, even, even if it, it is playable, you shouldn't. Right. That's fair. Um so this guitar's from 1978. <laughs> That's that is three years before I'm born. Mentally, this is for me. This isn't even vintage. I mean, technically, yes, it's over twenty five years old, right? So that makes it by like, it's, it's what what that objective standard of twenty five years, vintage. But like, there's nothing about nineteen seventy eight Martin that makes me go, oh man, that was a good year. Yeah, I've I don't know a ton about Martins. I know that people really get uppity about them and people really collect them. And I know they can be worth a lot of money if they're, you know, the right model, right age, you know, right. right factory or whatever. Like I said, I don't know a ton about them. I don't know the specifics, but people really nerd out over Martins. I'd be really surprised if a 1978 Martin is worth 10 grand. To me, this feels like, you know, it's a, it's a cliche at this point or it's, you know, some people said it's a sexist joke. I don't I don't think it's sexist if you say it right. <laughs> but this is a guy who's you know like hyped up how much his guitar worth is worth to his family for a long time. And then when it's time to sell it he lists it for that much or more so that it doesn't actually sell. Oh, and so yeah, yeah, and so yeah. he's like to his wife like Honey, I'm trying to sell it. I just can't find the right buyer, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm getting that feeling here. I might be totally off. This thing could be worth 10 grand. I it's don't know. It's not worth 10 grand. He says he's selling it for his grandparents. Okay, no, the, here's the story. His grandparents 
are like, we've got this old guitar. We want to sell it so that we can use the money to go on a cruise. Mm-hmm. And he's like, ah, you guys went on two cruises last year. You don't need to go on another oh cruise. Gosh. I want this guitar to stay in the family so I get it. When you guys pass on, I'm going to list it for a price that it won't sell at. I found a 1954 Martin D28 that apparently sold for $7,900. So, so this not guitar, even not even ten grand. Yeah. So this guitar that in this ad is um, uh, twenty four years younger, right? And the guy's asking two thousand dollars more. Yeah. There's no way. So um, nope. Yeah. No way, dude. Oh, here's a nineteen seventy five Martin D twenty eight shade top. Uh, I'm not sure what that means, but this is a sunburst instead of like a natural finish. So maybe that's what it means. And it sold for twenty four hundred. Yeah, yeah. This guy's way off base. So I feel like... It makes me want to buy one of these for two grand and then wait 20 years, though. (laughs) There you go. There's a lot of different D28s from different years. I found some different models from that year specifically. There's another D28, 1973, that sold for $1,650. I mean, were the 70s even good years? on and on. Were the seventies even good years for oh, Martin? Man. Oh, for Martin, I don't know. For me, the seventies were some great, years. super great years pre Steve. Steve was a uh, Steve was an octopus. I didn't exist back in those days. Got reincarnated a couple times throughout the seventies. Yeah. Uh, somehow uh, did some real good stuff as a bluefin tuna and became a person. Yeah, yeah. Real good work. Well, as a, I, f- I fed a family of eight as a bluefin tuna. Yeah, real good work as that tuna, Steve. That really uh, got you up to human status in the reincarnation bit. Thanks. You know? Thanks. I did my best. Yeah. All right. Uh, and my best was feeding people. Feeding people with your sweet, sweet body meat. Um, <laughs> do you want to you tackle this next topic that we have yeah, here? Yeah. Uh, so we got a guitar here. This guitar was given to us by Aaron Abubo. Not given. <laughs> Steve, I actually need to send him a pedal because I agreed to loan him a pedal that would ship to him Th- in exchange. Thanks, thanks Aaron Abubu. In exchange for borrowing this Gibson M2 from him. I almost him. just knocked it over. But uh, I believe the neck on this guitar would withstand being dropped. You know what? I have a feeling this is probably the strongest Gibson neck ever made because it is maple, right? Uh, yeah, this is a maple neck. This is the Gibson M2. Um, Les Paul sold, I think, exclusively through Amazon. Um, there was one that's similar on Guitar Center, which is the new Les Paul special, but it, it's not exactly uh-huh. the same. Yeah, it's a little different. Um, that one is maple neck with a mahogany body. This one's maple neck with a poplar body. Not only is it a poplar body, but I was looking close, and I believe it's a three-piece poplar body. Yeah. I think that other Gibson has like a, a arm carve on it too, doesn't it? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I didn't look that close on it. Yeah. This is basically a Les Paul Jr. body or a Les Paul special body, the the no top, no carve body. Yeah. Um, wraparound tailpiece, but intonatable wraparound tailpiece. Tone knob, volume knob, three-way switch, a couple of humbuckers. These are Epiphone parts. Um, the hardware? The hardware and the pickups, from what I understand. Um, but I think Gibson's been putting that kind of stuff on, like, really low end. Yeah, yeah. But prior to this guitar, Aaron uh, I swapped, could be wrong about that. Aaron swapped the tuners in for some real nice uh, 
Goto tuners. Okay, I was going to say these are like... I think they're Goto's, right? These are nice little uh, classic Gibson... Um, I forget what these are called. Yeah. But they but have the, gr- the, like the green the, plastic tips on them. Yeah, they're the traditional Gibson tuners. Yeah. Overall, this guitar f- actually feels really good. Yeah, I really like the feel of it. I think it's definitely a fully playable guitar. I don't feel like it's... You know, like you pick up those Costco, Costco starter packs with, you know... The, uh, you know, like the the Fender Starcasters and like what was yeah. what was the Gibson sub brand of Epiphone? It was like Maestro, or Maestro, something. yeah, or uh, what was it, Baldwin? Yeah, where they're just ones. like so bad that you feel bad for anyone who's going to get it. This uh, is a completely workable guitar. Yeah, so this was originally when Aaron bought it, like two hundred and fifty dollars. No, the black models were a little bit more, so I think he got it for three hundred out the door. Okay. Um, but the other ones were two fifty each, and now those ones are four hundred each, and the black one is five hundred each. Yeah. Oh, is that okay? Because I'm looking at it. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And a bunch of people in our group, I think, bought these. They've got the colors are strawberry milk, phantom gray, I really citron like this. green, yeah, bright cherry, teal, and black. I wonder why okay. the black one. Is you the guess most which color do you think I would buy? Um. The Phantom Gray? Nope. No, the strawberry milk. Yep. I would get the strawberry milk for sure. Yeah. And I, I the only difference I can see between the different finishes is that the ebony is the only one that has a tortoise shell pit guard. Yeah. But the Phantom Gray has like a perloid, a gray perloid pit guard. Yeah, it's harder to do black finishes. Really? And already the the quality control on these are pretty low. So I have a feeling that's where the cost came from. Why is just it harder to do black? Black just shows flaws a lot more. And the, the finish okay. is already so thin on this. That's one thing about this finish that I noticed like really quickly is it's very... Look at the little... Like look, orange peely. The little ding on the back. He's got a little ding. Yeah, I saw that. It, you can see how thin the paint is. Like super thin. Yeah. It, it's described as being a um, uh, ultra thin... Uh, they call it ult- nitro light gloss for the body. Nitro satin finish for the neck. Um, so it's a, f- I mean, it's still a f- like a $500 nitro finished guitar. Yeah. Neck is glued, solid maple, and a rosewood fingerboard. It says the uh, pickups are Gibson Pro Bucker Humbucker or Pro Bucker Humbuckers. So that's not a model I'm familiar with. Yeah, me either. So maybe they're not the I mean, it imp- sounded, cheap import it ones. It sounded fine to me. The right. pickups sounded fine to me. They didn't. They weren't anything like wow. This like when I pick up the little stinker, I'm like wow. These pickups are special. There's nothing yeah. special about these. They're very there, high there character. There is a pickup Epiphone is advertising called the Pro Bucker by Epiphone. Right. I have trouble believing that that is just a coincidence. Right. No, it's got to be an Epiphone pickup. But they sound like what you would expect from a humbucker. It just sounds like a humbucker. Right. I mean, it doesn't sound like an over-the-top high-gain humbucker. It doesn't sound punky or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It just gives you what you expect, middle of the road. Um, I think I, you know, I did a demo video of this, and that was part of the point of borrowing it from Aaron. Yeah. Um, and the thing I pointed out in the video is, according to Aaron, the tuners were garbage, and he needed to change them to make it playable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the bridge is problematic. Did you take a close look at the bridge? Like it's it's 
it's because of the lean. It's really tilting forward, which you know, that's it's kind of just what they all do. It's though. playable. I have seen stop tail bridges that do not lean that much. I've seen a few different places where people were concerned about the lean. And in fact, I think some of the comments on the YouTube video have made been, talked about the lean. I, as long as the lean is stable, right, right, I wouldn't be super concerned about it. I'm just it just bothers me from a from a perspective of I think they grab bag to the parts, right, and I think the bridge could be a little bit lower, and I think that that lean keeps it from going a little bit lower. Also, look, you think this you think this action could be lower? Yeah, I could. I would like it a little bit lower, and it's maxed down all the way for the most part. Um, look from the. Uh, Look from the uh, the strap button at the bottom, at the butt. Tell me that the two posts don't look like they're different models. Like the post on the left has a bottom ring under it, and the post on the right doesn't. Oh yeah, that's really weird. Do you see that? I tried to show a photo of that in the video, and I'm not sure the photo really shows it. But you see what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Um, give me a second. Okay. It's definitely missing that bottom ring, right? I don't know that it's actually missing it. I think it might be cut. The body might be cut differently so that the ring actually sits into the body. But there's... I, I hear that that claim, but there's too much space in between that part of the bridge and the piece that's into the body. Um, I think they're different. Does they're different pole pieces. I think they grabbed back to this thing so much that there's two different pole pieces. I'm being looking used. at the way that the bridge connects to it though. And that it looks, no, I think it's sunk into the body. All right. All right. It you looks, know what? it looks funny to me though. Just take it apart. I'm not going to take that. Aaron guitar. won't mind. I'm not going to take that guitar apart to figure it out. I think it's sunk into the body. It's still weird if it's sunk into the body. Yeah. It means someone was really trying to get the action super low over the high strings. Yeah. And to the point where they like sunk the uh, bridge post into the body. But for me for me to get the action the way I would prefer it on this guitar, I'd either need to grind in the the string saddles deeper. I'd have to take it to a tech to have them cut the slots right. deeper. Or I'd have to get a bridge that lays a little bit flatter. But yeah, other than that, it's really resonant. It's a great guitar. It might be because it's such a lightweight. It's yeah. pretty lightweight. There's not a much, not much to fight it in the guitar design. It is very resonant and feels really good against your body to play. Um, another thing I I found on it recently is if you do a high, like a big bend up on the high E, it goes dead. Oh, from the twelfth fret. I I think it's funny that you found it without me. You found it well, just as soon as you said it's like it goes high and it's like it's, yeah, it's fine, fine on the other frets. It's fine at nine. The twelfth fret is where it goes dead. Yeah, it starts to. Yeah, I mean, I found that by by accident. I, I mean, it's not get it, but like the very first yeah. time I did it, it it cut out. It's not like a don't buy this guitar thing, but it is like. I think the quality control on these is just not that high, you know, because it can't be. 
they're pushing these things out of an American factory somewhere. Yeah. And making a profit while still selling them for $400. I'll tell you, man, that band at the 12th fret is no picnic. That's no picnic, Steve. Careful, careful. I don't want to replace that thing. Yeah. You, so I would say overall at three hundred at the three hundred dollar price point that it four hundred. Well, I'm saying wasn't it three hundred dollars? What, what Aaron paid? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a seems like a pretty capable guitar. If they come up for two fifty um, again for the strawberry milk one, yeah, I might snag one just for. Uh, the principle of the thing. Of course, a lot of guys are buying these and they slap a Bigsby on them. So even if you paid three hundred, now you're looking at four hundred. Then they're swapping out both the pickups, so now you're looking at five hundred. Let's be honest; like the hardware on here probably isn't worth much in terms of resale, so I'm not even going to count it. Right. Uh, I mean, maybe it's minimal. Uh, the pair of pickups you could maybe get fifty bucks for. It's kind of like a boat. Like a boat is a hole in the ocean that you throw money into. Right. Like it in concept, it's a great guitar starting out at four hundred bucks, but then by the time you get done throwing things at it to make it the guitar, to make it the Gibson that you think you want, you're you know. A grand in the hole. Well, the flip and you side, might as well have like put an extra like two hundred bucks in there and gotten yourself an SG. Sure, but the flip side is you know you can't. Gosh, this is going to be corny. Say it, Steve. You can't put a a dollar amount on the you know this self pride you get from oh absolutely doing, doing it yourself, making it your own. But it's that's one of the reasons people love Fenders. Like is is Gibson hitting that Fender? Uh, you know mod bait market right like hey buy this squire 51 it's 150 bucks and you can do whatever you want with it it's kind of the squire 51 of gibson and i haven't plugged this thing in i saw a lot of guys say that um you know they they tried this thing out or they got one and they they're comparing it to you know their their epiphone les paul custom that they got off craigslist for the same price and the epiphone blows out of the water i don't think the fit and finish on this one particular one is bad, but I've heard some guys say that uh, the fit and finish on theirs was not great. Um, what I will say is, it's hard to compare this to an Epiphone because this is effect. This is a Les Paul special. Yeah, it's flat top, two humbucker guitar, so it's not going to sound like a. At least it shouldn't sound like a Les Paul custom. Whether that's an Epiphone or, I mean, if. <laughs> to this trying to picture the scenario in my head where this three hundred dollar four hundred dollar Les Paul special sounds like a thirty five hundred dollar um, Les Paul uh, Les Paul custom. Right, right. It's not going to sound like a carved top Les Paul is what you're saying. Yeah, it sounds like it's you know it's a punk rock guitar. Like I picked it up, the, I picked it up this guitar, and when I was jamming with it, I was like channeling Joan Jett. You know, that's what was coming out of me. Right. You were playing this guitar, and you did not give a damn about your bad reputation. Yeah, exactly. Not one bit. Um, I was. Yeah, I'm not going to make any more jokes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's for 400 bucks. I think that's a solid option. I would put this guitar in the hands of like a new guitarist, no problem. And be like, here, figure it out. You know, right. Make mistakes, go make mistakes with this guitar. Like go, go ahead and take it apart. Like mm-hmm. figure things out, 
spray paint your band's logo on it. How do you think these things are going to hit the used market in a year? You mean the price? Yeah. Mm, man, that's a good question. I would I would love to pay less than 300 for one of these used. That's depending do, on how these Amazon sales goes. If they keep if they flip these things out for 250 again, uh, man, Black, I don't know. Black Friday Price drops to $150. Yeah, I'm going to buy six of them. Um, limit, limit one. Oh, man, Steve. Yeah, I don't I, know. Yeah, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy one for sure if they're $150. Uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's, I would take it's one just of, kind of interesting. I would take one of these for $150, and I would turn it into a three-string presidents of the United States of America machine. There you go. Like, it's, it's worth doing something like that with Base it. Base strings. Yeah, bass strings on it. Recut the nut to to yeah. handle that. It's kind of like there. It's just it's an interesting guitar. It creates a odd conundrum for Gibson, who has spent so much time, honestly, spent so much time diluting the brand. Yeah, with just a thousand models, and then you know, high performance versus traditionals, you know, versus a studio versus whatever. And it's kind of interesting to see this guitar that is, as far as we've been able to figure out, an Amazon exclusive, is darn similar to the Les Paul Specials uh-huh. that that Musician's Friend is carrying, but those are supposed to be mahogany bodies. Those pickups are covered. I don't know if, if they're the same pickups or not. Um, Probably not. But overall, it's just a really... It's, it's a little bit of a head-scratcher. piece. My, and, and it makes you wonder, like, what exactly are they trying to, you know, are they trying to just get a whole new young generation hooked on Gibson in a way where they're not exactly sure how to do it? So this is the way that they think they're going to do it. Here's a thought that I've been having with Gibson releasing all these sub $1,000 guitars that are made mm-hmm. in the USA and, you know, like the political future in America of trades and imports a little bit up in the air uh, with things going on. Are we going to see American brands stateside? I'm not talking about when they get exported to other countries, but here in the States, American branded guitars become just more pedestrian, I guess, or more normal. Like for a long time, it's been like, Oh, you get an American guitar. That's the really good guitar. Right? Is it going to become more like? Oh, we we just make these cheap guitars in America now too, and it's like it used to be like if a guitar was stamped made in America, that was the sign of like this is the quality one. This is the this is the good one, you know? Right. And now it's just is it just going to be like? So what? It's made in America. Like lots of guitars are made in America. Well. In a lot of ways, I, I think maybe we could be moving towards that as the Japanese market. I mean, well, there's not a lot of manufacturing going in Japan anymore, right? There like, is. It's just not getting sent here. But that's this only for their market. Like Japan used it's to domestic. be domestic. Yeah. Japan used to be like Korea or in, even Indonesia, where they were manufacturing yeah. a ton of stuff and exporting it. Well, what I'm what I'm getting at is like if you want a Japanese guitar, you can get a really well-built guitar but you're not going to pay less than you know eight nine a thousand dollars for it eight nine hundred dollars a thousand dollars uh there the there's a high-end range of korean brands 
like Reverend, Pure Salem, uh, Hallmark. Yeah. You know, though, like Reverend is probably the most mass produced of them that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've even got like Duesenberg. That's. That's, that's a compl- different. That's, that's complicated. That's a different story. But so for Reverend, you're looking at you know again close to a thousand dollars. Schecter, right, right, and stuff. You're looking at close to a thousand dollars. Um, so there's a lot of political turmoil. There's a lot of speculation about like, you know, this was a couple days ago. Well, from the release of this podcast, it was about a, a week and a half ago, from where the current. Uh, the Trump administration kind of just threw out a number and said, tariffs are going to be 20%. Right. And there's a lot of conversation about, well, did, like they're talking about Mexico, but did they really mean just Mexico? Did they mean all international tariffs are going to be 20%? Right. Like, there's what, no what specific What do these two things different mean? And then, like, later in the day, they kind of backed off on it. Like, well, you know, we just threw 20% as a number. It could be 2%. It could be 10%. We, you know, we're just trying to, we're just playing with numbers. Uh, just play, uh, just having fun, guys. Just I read, playing I read a, with numbers. I read a piece today that said that this is classic. This is like, uh, well, I don't remember what the name of his, the book was, but Donald Trump wrote this book, like, in the 80s called, like, the art of business or something and, or the art of the art of negotiation or I don't know, something like that. And one of the things he says in it is actually something that we talk about on the show all the time that we 100% endorse. Right. Lowballing, lowballing. So, and the, uh, the example that he gives in like, so he's thrown out 20 expecting us to come back with five and then he'll come back with 15 and then we'll come back with 10 and he'll say deal. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so uh, one of th- he said that he will buy when he buys like luxury cars, he would buy them at like half of the price because he'll go in and the person knows that like he's a person who <laughs> legitimately has money, and he'll go in and be like, "Oh yeah, hundred thousand dollar car, I'll give you thirty five thousand," and they'll be like. What? And they know he's good for the money. They know he wants to buy it. They know he wants to buy it. They know he's good for the money, but they're like, no, I can't do that. And so it goes back and forth, back and forth. And he ends up paying like fifty, sixty thousand dollars for a hundred thousand dollar car because he just lowballed the crap out of him. So this article was basically positing they actually went through and did the math and said that the claim is that the wall would cost like because this is all we're gonna build the wall. Right. That the wall would cost like seventeen to twenty billion dollars, and that all you would need to get um to get uh tariff like to get tariff money out of Mexico to do this based on our current trade with Mexico is like 2%. Right. So if if they throw out 20% and they say and then eventually they back it all the way down to like 2 or 3%, like that would get all the money that they're aiming for. Now, at the end of the day, like does that mean everybody who's you know are are the cost of made in Mexico fenders going to go up? Two to three percent to compensate for that, probably, which means that you know Mexico's not actually paying for the wall. Americans are, but who knows? Who knows? the The point is that I, I understand what you're talking about. That the international market, in terms of like, it's a little up in the air right now. Ma- import manufacturers for guitars looks hazy, 
And what I'm saying is, is it looks hazy because you got a guy throwing smoke bombs. Like, yeah, we're not we're not seeing anything that's doing real damage right now. We're just looking at a lot of crazy. We're watching a guy launching like he's not shooting any real bombs. He's just he's just like throwing fireworks into the air. Right, right. I mean, it's but my question is like stock you, up on Mexican. You were mentioning now. all these you know import brands that are pushing you know these thousand dollar guitars. Yeah. Gibson's coming out with sub one thousand dollar USA guitars. That's going to carry for a while, where people are going to be like, like, oh, I'm going to get the USA guitar instead. Yeah, but honestly, like hundred percent, the quality of a Pure Salem or the Hallmark or any of these other uh, guitars that are being made uh, in Korea or even Indonesia to very specific specs and coming to America for a thousand bucks. Yeah, they're all. Like worlds of quality above this M2. Sure, sure. And some of that I think is is perception. But I uh, some but, of some yeah. of it's definitely real. This is not the best guitar I've ever played. No, not at all. Not at all. But what I'm saying is eventually the general consumer is just gonna be like, Oh, you just American guitars are just like, who knows what quality they are? They're all over the map. Right. Now. So I guess it's kind of a question is, is this a gamble on Gibson's part? Are they trying to make money really fast? I mean, it's not like they advertise this. It's kind of The just, profit margin on that, this can't be awesome. You wouldn't think so, but it's using all import parts. Um, yeah. I guess if they have the right machines making them and they're thinking long term, like they put together a little factory, busting them out and... Maybe I mean I don't know the actual numbers, but say it only costs them like seventy five bucks to make these things. Right, you're looking at cost of materials. You're you're cranking it out. I mean, yeah. I, I don't I don't you're using quote lesser materials, poplar body, maple neck. Right, right. But like we, I think this thing resonates great. I don't think the wood is yeah. any concern. Well, and I think that's ultimately like the biggest downfall of this guitar from a from a market standpoint is that at the end of the day. People who are looking for Gibson are still looking for that mahogany, mahogany, maple cap deal. So they're going to go to other brands. They're going to go to your Schecters. They're going to go to, you know, whatever else. I haven't played this guitar plugged in. From a traditionalist standpoint of looking at just trying to judge a guitar based on materials... I would expect this to sound like my Telecaster. Okay. Um, like bright and thin? Like kind of, yeah. Like, well, my Telecaster, like the humbucker, it's hot, it's mean, but it's definitely. Sure, sure. It's definitely like a, not a down tune metal. Okay. You know, it's not a fat rock humbucker. It's a bright, punchy, punk rock in your face humbucker sound. No, it's, it's. It's got it's got good low meet low mids and good bottom end on it. It's yeah. a well rounded so it's a well rounded sounding guitar. It's not and it's not a twang guitar at all. It's it's a rocker. Well, neither is my Telecaster. It's a rocking guitar. I don't know. Let's 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 wrap it up on this topic and let's hit this yeah. last ad. This last flip. This last flip. <laughs> this was a post on our Facebook group. Yeah, uh, I don't know where this guy found it. It's from Albert Rogers. He's found like a pretty uh, a few like really crazy deals. It looks like he took this picture in a pawn shop. I think he did. It is for a uh, 
an, like an 80s Fender Strat, right? I don't know yeah, the actual model. Yeah, this is model. a E-series uh, Fender Stratocaster, so we're looking at 1984 to 1987. Is this MIJ? MIJ. Uh, this is a Fender Contemporary Stratocaster. Uh, this has the um, System 2 tremolo on it, which is similar. Uh, Philippe from Caroline Guitar yeah. Company pointed out this is very similar to the Free Flight tremolo. And the uh, Elite Series Tremolo. And actually, if you look up, if you look for Fender System 2, it'll take you to a link that in some of the pictures it looks like the System 2 and the Free, or the System 2 and the Elite Tremolo are basically the same. Uh, it's got a crazy nut on it. That's a locking nut, right? Like, if I remember right, there's like it a. It is, and I, but I think this one is missing a uh, part of it. It's like this the strings go into these slots. And then I think you tighten it from the side and it like clamps the strings. There's supposed to be strings. like a clamp. Yeah. Like a qui- it looks like a quick release for a bike, for a bike tire. Right, right. So that's what I'm saying. It lo- this one looks like it might be missing that part. So there's like some like failed design innovations from the 80s on this thing. Yeah. Um, but $79. Here, I yeah. mean, this is the bottom yeah. line. $79. If you want to flip this thing, you could probably sell that neck for $150. Yeah. You could probably sell the body for at least $150. Or the, you know what? This could be a great freaking player's guitar. This, this 79 just, bucks. This thing's just going to play like mine. It's going to be the same yeah. neck, but with rosewood. So that's that 12-inch, super got, low fret, super fast neck. Got that classy, classy uh, painted black headstock. I always yeah. loved that look. Um, so I cool. could probably sell this guitar for $300. Damn, dude. Under a week. Really? That quick? Yeah. Local or online? Okay. Wow. It's a Fender Japan. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the what the side parts are. Like somebody's gonna just say Fender Japan. I say that with the caveat that the uh I don't know what not being able to lock the strings means. Someone's gotta be able gotta be selling that part or a fix for it. I looked for it and I couldn't I could not find it. Uh, the site that I know of that sells the parts for these, uh, they actually, their comment for the uh, locking nut on this was to was to go get a Cowler locking nut. Like a, oh, really? A nor- like a more normal Floyd Roy- Rose-style tree. Right, right. They sold one that they said would fit this neck exactly. Interesting. Uh, but they do not... Because this this company actually it's called Whammy World, but it's spelled, <laughs> Whammy World. Nice. I think it's spelled W H A M M I World. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The guy actually has um, these old Fender parts machined. Oh. So um, he actually has them in stock right now. I think all of the parts I would need to restore my Stratocaster. Really, uh, I didn't price them out, but I, I think he has them all. The the is, and the hardest part really to f- to find on those is the locking uh, nut. Right. Uh, the lock, or rather, it's not even locking nut; it's a locking tree. Yeah. Uh, on those, those all those little parts with the little screws. Those yeah. are the ones that like every teenager lost uh, in the nineties. It, it looked like he had at least some of them in stock, but I think he actually has them machined. Wow, they're not originals. Gotcha. They're, uh, they're manufactured. Anyway, seventy nine bucks. This is a solid. I mean, um, if, just th- just is, buy it. At this is the bucks. second time that like, he's found uh, Albert's found something crazy like this. He had another one where he was like he listed it up and he was like. 
he was like, I don't know if I should get that. I think it was one fifty, and I was like, dude, I'll uh, I'll throw three hundred dollars at you. Yeah, like if you buy this and then later on you want to sell it, like let me know. I'll save up. Um, and then I then David Chote pointed out that it was missing the uh, string, uh, the string tree locks. Right, right. But even then, like I was like, ah, you know, okay, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Right, right. But yeah, this looks great. I think that the finish is either like a faded white or it's that really cool MIJ Perloid white. Uh, it might be that MIJ Perloid white because this is the contemporary series. So all yeah. of the colors are kind of those Fender 80s metal color. So it's like yeah. the weird, the white, It's there's a blue one. Um, there's like a metallic blue and a metallic coral. I really like that Perloid white as it get as it ages or aged because now we're in the future um it gets like this banana cream yellow color to it but it's yeah. still like this sparkly iridescent like beautiful color yeah, I, I think that that's this color yeah um i don't know i i can't say much for the pickups on this i haven't used the humbucker i do like the single coils on my strat a lot i mean if you don't like that humbucker you can find it different humbucker you, yeah you're gonna love yeah. in this thing but yeah really cool looking guitar for 79 bucks no brainer i hope he bought this thing for sure do we want to uh thank people who deserve thanks and wrap this yeah, up yeah let's say thanks to sinusoid uh sinusoid.com for all your cable needs what did i say they were in the beginning i compared them to something that was a long time ago. It was a long time ago, Steve. I feel bad now because it was a zinger. I, I found a really good analogy for sinusoid. Oh, sinusoid cables. They're like buying a parrot. Oh, yeah. Your grandchildren are going to inherit them. A hundred-year guarantee. I think what you said was that your your grandchildren are going to hate you for buying Sinusoid them. cables. Your grandchildren will hate you. Sinusoidcables.com. Not actually. Sinusoid.com. <laughs> it's like buying a parrot. They're going to outlive you with that 100-year guarantee. Your grandkids are going to be like, cables? Everything is transmitted through our minds now. Why did Grandpa buy a cable? It's still going, though. It still works. The parrot loves it. <laughs> you're you know what? you Dude, for real, you're channeling your brother right now. I am. I'm... I'm doing really dumb jokes right now. All right. Uh, the song for this episode was sent to us by William Strickland. Uh, this is from his band, Kosovo. He's not sure if he sent it in the correct format, but it's M4A, which is to say, yes, you did, sir. Um, but uh, he is in the Facebook group, and his name is... I'm not sure what info you need, but I'm in the group, and my name is William Strickland. Thanks, William Strickland. Uh, th again, this is the band Kosovo, and this song is called Countless Days. Hope you love it or hate it or don't care. I don't know. I but hope you have a feeling. I hope you have a feeling. Too. I hope you have an emotional response to something you've listened to on the show today or something you're about to listen to in this song. I hope it moves you in some sort of new way that you haven't felt in a long time. Probably anger. <laughs> anger is a very powerful emotion, Steve. Anger leads to fear. If we could make people angry every week, they will keep listening. Fear leads to hate. <laughs> Hey, it's to the dark side. Okay, see you guys next week. Bye.
If I could find someone that feels 